The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Amen, amen, hallelujah. It's great to uh, be with you all tonight. And we want to welcome all of those who are watching online. We have a lot of new people that are watching, family and friends, a lot of different places. So welcome. We're glad that you were able to join with us tonight. I think it's going to be a very special night. Uh, We also want to welcome and remember that uh, the Saturday night service is on the radio on KSDW. And then Sunday morning, we're on K-Wave 107.9. And all the other radio stations we're on across the country, we welcome all of you guys as well, wherever you may be watching. Um, I gave a little introduction uh, video this week about uh, this special night uh, and day this weekend that we're going to be celebrating the Lord together. Last week, we did communion together. And this weekend, uh, we're going to do some anointing with oil. I shared with you that I had a dream, um, and in the dream, I was kind of, you know, I shared it with everybody, and, and uh, as I waited on the Lord and, and talked to uh, my family and, and some of the others about what, what does this possibly mean, one of the things the Lord revealed is that it's a new anointing for a new season that we are in. So I want to share that with all of you. So wherever you are right now, if you can take just a minute and go get some oil, because we're going to be anointing your homes uh, and and the front door of your houses, and then we're going to anoint the people that are in your house or that are watching with you this service uh, to be anointed as we get ready for Passover. So, uh, and by the way, something very, very exciting happened this week Uh, in Israel that I think is extremely uh, prophetic, and we're going to talk about that at the end of the service as well. So I want to begin with where uh, we left off last week. We talked about a couple of things. First of all, we are in a very, very uh, unprecedented time, uh, what I call a global Sabbath where literally all around the world, there's never been anything uh, in history quite like this, uh, where the whole world has been shuttered in or told basically to go into your homes and try to have social distancing and close your doors and and try to keep from spreading this virus. And and I was realizing that this is like a, a Sabbath. God in the very beginning, Uh, had Adam and Eve. Their first day was on uh, a Sabbath, and they were created on the sixth day. So the Sabbath was their first day in the Garden of Eden, and God came in in a manifest way and walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. So I believe that part of what God is saying to us uh, this weekend is that we're on a Sabbath, we have been sent home, and we are to hear the voice of the Lord. And God wants to go on a journey with us, an adventure with us, and he wants to reveal himself to us. Uh, He wants us to have a relationship with him. And I think he is speaking very, very loudly right now. I want to share with you Psalm chapter 29, verses 3 and 4, that talks about the voice of the Lord. Because God is speaking in a lot of different ways at this particular moment in time. Psalm 29 verses 3 and 4 says, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. And the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. 
God is speaking, and God is communicating, and God is sharing. And of course, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And it's talking about Jesus. The message that God wanted to communicate to all of mankind as God spoke, man, I love you, literally was incarnated into the person of his son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus, everything he said, everything that he did, every action that he took, including as we're getting ready soon to celebrate uh, Passover, Good Friday, where he was lifted up on the cross and crucified in our place and paid for our sins. And then on the third day, the resurrection, he rose from the dead. He paid for our sins and then he conquered sin, conquered death, he conquered the devil, and he is the resurrection and the life. So be thinking about these things. Um, what is the Lord saying to you? And especially tonight as we go through our message, we're gonna be in the Gospel of Matthew. But I wanted to also mention this. Uh, not only is it a global Sabbath, it is a global Passover. And so for those who don't know, Maranatha Chapel, uh, we felt like God, the last several years, has called us to do 40 days of prayer and fasting. And so we've got one week left and, and you know, uh, whatever those who've joined uh, with me, whatever you've been giving up, whatever you've been sacrificing, you know, this current situation has added extra impetus for us to really lean into it and really call on the name of the Lord and to really pray and to really fast and to really seek the Lord. And, and we're gonna be coming out of it uh, next weekend uh, with, uh, the, the Lord's triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. So we have one, one more week that we're gonna be doing the prayer and the fasting. But I wanted to share with you this, uh, Isaiah chapter 26, verse three. Here, the prophet Isaiah gives a very powerful, uh, comforting scripture. He says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So during these days that we're getting ready and looking forward to Passover, uh, to when Christ was crucified for us and then celebrating the glorious resurrection, that God has our undivided attention at this time. And by the way, I believe this Passover is very divine. Very, it's a very prophetic hour. And we need to be really looking up and listening and watching and hearing what the Lord is saying to us. Uh, I have mentioned to those who are part of our fellowship a few weeks ago that on January the 28th, our president um, gave a peace plan. And in that peace plan, he, you know, he begin, it begins well, but as we talked about in outline, when you get to the end of it, it really does divide the land, and it divides even potentially the capital, which is Jerusalem. Uh, and so we have quoted before Joel, the prophet Joel, chapter three, verses one and two. Uh, through the prophet Joel, God gives a warning for the last days. And God basically sends a message to all the leaders of the nations. And he says, okay, you guys line up and get ready because you and me are going 
to have a tango. We're gonna, we're gonna get ready for war. It's really the day of the Lord. And God gives uh, one of the reasons the way you have treated my people, my inheritance, Israel and the Jewish people. And then secondly, he says, and because they have divided my land. And I believe that with that uh, unveiling of, you know, it's a peace plan and part of it's good and the peace is good. And we love all of the parts that talk about peace. Uh, but in the end of the day, we have to recognize what God has said and we have to honor God's word and God's promises. So um, I believe that since that time, uh, since the end of January, God has been, something was unleashed in the heavenly realms and that God is now speaking literally through nature. Uh, God doesn't, he, he's not behind this peace plan, man's peace plan. We, we need God's peace plan. Only God's peace plan will bring the peace and the shalom and the everlasting kingdom of righteousness that he has promised to us. So uh, another interesting thing that happened in January, along with the announcement of this peace plan, and then in many ways it seemed all kinds of things began to un be unleashed and unraveling and so forth, Israel experienced historic rain. Uh, they had rainfall like they haven't had in 50 plus years. Uh, and I believe that it may be a sign. Someone uh, had mentioned to me, you know, we're, we're kind of experiencing this global birth pang. We're in the beginning of birth pangs of the coming, second coming of Christ and of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus said that what it'll look like and what it'll be experiencing in the world is birth pangs. Well, you know, what, what, what is it that happens to a woman when she goes from being fully pregnant and then maybe having some false labor? How do you know that you've really stepped into real labor? And we say, well, her water breaks. Well, we could say that in Israel, with, and you can look it up and, and look into it, there has been a historic uh, amazing rain that has come, and everybody is looking at that and watching that. So uh, anyway, get ready, get your oil ready. We're gonna be anointing the doors of your houses as we look forward to this coming Passover and as we also anoint those who are in your house. If you have a Bible, let's open it to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 26. We're just gonna go through uh, a few verses here. Matthew 26, verses 31 uh, through 35. Jesus is now making his way to uh, the cross. And we read in verse 31, then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble. So he's talking th to the disciples. By the way, Judas has just left. He separated himself from the flock and from Jesus. He's ready to go out and betray the Lord. But now Jesus said to the other disciples, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. And Jesus said to him assuredly, I say to you, Peter, that this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. 
wow, what in the world is going on here? What, what is happening? And here's what I wanna go back to verse 31 and just look at a few simple points here. When Jesus announces uh, to the disciples, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Now that's talking about God. Uh, God is the I will. Uh, he is the one that will strike the anointed shepherd. And so this is part of something that God is doing. God is orchestrating the shepherd. Jesus is now quoting this scripture saying, that is me. I am the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I am the one who is going to be smitten. And you, the sheep, are all going to be scattered. So that's a very sober prophecy. Uh, as Jesus predicts to those disciples, tonight you will lose faith in me. And you can tell by the reaction, uh, not just by Peter, but all, all the other disciples, their reaction was, what? Well, th this seemed impossible to them. They loved Jesus so much. They had witnessed so many of his miracles. They had heard his teachings. They had left and forsaken their careers and their homes, and they had followed Jesus now for over three years. They, they couldn't even begin to imagine that something like this could even be possible. And yet the Lord now is quoting prophecy. He is quoting scripture and saying, no, this is actually a part of the Father's plan. And I think what it reminds us of is that when there is crisis, when there is you know, chaos. And when you're in the midst of something that you don't understand, there's a storm. They're in the middle of a storm right then. And as they're getting ready for their Passover, here we are in our day, in the year 2020, heading into Passover, and we have a major crisis going on. And we don't understand what all is happening or what God is fully up to or what he is doing. It reminds us that there's no merely man-made history. It's all part of a divine plan. God is actually the one behind everything. In fact, the shepherd must be smitten. This is part of God's revelation. This was part of the plan of salvation. This had to be. The Messiah would come as the Lamb of God to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And God knew this. And God planned this. So I want to remind all of us tonight and tomorrow, that this is also happening. God has planned what we're going through right now and what the world is going through. There is a scripture in the Old Testament. It's a little uh, prophetic book called Habakkuk. And in Habakkuk, in uh, chapter one, verse five, or did I, where am I here? Come, my people. Did I not read that? I didn't read that scripture, did I? Okay, let's read Isaiah chapter 26, verse 20. I forgot this scripture, so there it is. Uh, Come, my people, enter into your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself as if for a little moment until the indignation is past. So that's another scripture from Isaiah that I uh, wanted you to listen to and think about. We're all in our homes and we're waiting for this plague to pass and to move beyond all of us. But then let's catch up where we just were. The hour of crisis reveals the plan of God. This is God's plan. This is what God has in mind and what he wants to accomplish and do. 
so this was all what, what was happening to Christ, his betrayal, his rejection, even Peter's uh, reaction to Jesus was all part of what God was doing. So look with me at Habakkuk chapter one, verse five. He says, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. So the prophet Habakkuk uh, was, he, you know, God was doing some strange things. He, he had these enemies of Israel that were coming and then he, he, he said, they're going to win. Uh, and you're going to, you know, be going into captivity and Habakkuk is like, no, God, what? What are you doing and why would you do this? And I don't understand uh, why this calamity is happening. And God says, Habakkuk, if I told you all that I was doing, you wouldn't believe me even if I told you the whole thing. And Habakkuk is like, no, 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 <laughs> try me. I wanna know, what, what are you doing? And as God began to reveal, here's what I'm doing, here's how it's going to play out, here's where it's gonna go from here, Habakkuk said, I can't believe that. I can't believe you would do that. What? And I'm wondering if we're in a similar situation. Uh, you know, I'm trying to understand uh, everything that is happening right now, and we're gonna share a little bit about what we do see and what we can apply from the scriptures to what's taking place in this moment. But I am sure there's much more that God has going on that we can't really see while we're in the middle of it. It's gonna take time for that all to unfold. And part of it is if we asked him, so God, what are you doing? And why are you doing this? And why are you doing that? And, and if he told us all the details, we'd probably say, what? I can't believe that. Really? That's what you're thinking? That's what you're doing? That's what this is all about? I can't believe it. So anyway, Habakkuk, tested the Lord, he called on the Lord, and he, and he said, I will trust in the purpose of God, the plan of God. God will reveal his will within time. We're in a very similar time. We, we have a lot going on. We're, we're not out of the woods yet on this. There's a lot happening. There's a lot unfolding. There's a lot more still to come between now and our Passover, Good Friday, let alone Easter. And so let's, we gotta live by faith. We have to trust in the Lord, but we also have to remember everything that's happening right now is part of God's plan. God is not taken by surprise. He's not going, oh, I didn't know they were gonna do that. Uh, oh, I didn't see that they would react in this way. God has it all done. He has it all known. He has it all unfolding before our eyes so we can walk with him just like the children of Israel. After they'd been slaves for 400 years, God was saying, I got a plan. I'm going to do something that you haven't seen in 400 years. I'm going to show you my power, my presence, my glory, a mighty, he goes, I'm gonna show you my glory and you're going to see my glory. The cloud would become visible. The pillar of fire would be able to be pointed to and say, wow, this is our God. A mighty deliverance was about to come. And I believe that this Passover, God has the eyes of the church all around the world looking up, waiting on him, counting down the days till we come to this Passover. So he has a plan and Jesus is coming and he's coming very soon. Now look with me in verse 32. 
Jesus goes on then to say, so after he says, I will strike the shepherd, quoting the scripture, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Oh, how I love that. After I have been raised, I will go before you into Galilee. Beautiful. Jesus is already looking beyond the cross. He's already looking through those horrible hours, six hours upon the cross, and the three days where he is taken down and buried in the earth. He's looking all the way to the third day. He's looking all the way to the resurrection. He has his eyes set on the joy that is set before him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and the suffering and the shame. Well, guess what? You and I, don't just look at what's happening now and what's happening in the headlines and what the latest you know, news revelation is. We have to be looking into the future. And the one who holds the reins of the future is the one who sits still upon the throne. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom is coming and thy will shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I love how Jesus also says, after I've been raised, he goes immediately to the resurrection. He goes, after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. I want you to think about that. Galilee, that's where Jesus began his ministry. That's where he began to call the original disciples. While they were, half of them were fishermen. Uh, there were probably three sets of brothers that were part of that group of disciples Jesus gathered. And oh, those beautiful early days. I know a lot of you are watching uh, the series called The Chosen. And I think they've done a, a, a great job of just showing you know, what it was like to be along a seashore and be fishermen. And then Jesus comes and some of his first miracles. Hey, you guys have been fishing. What have you caught? We haven't caught anything. And he says, take your nets cast them on the other side and see what happens. And Peter, you know, the experienced fisherman, hey, we're experienced fishermen. We've already been fishing. We know the sea. We know the lake. Nevertheless, at thy word. And so they cast the nets in and the next thing you know, the whole ship begins to go down. These were the early days. These were the early, I think the, the, the beauty, the, the original kind of first love where they fell in love with Jesus, Matthew, the tax collector that is called to join this very eclectic group. Uh, and, and each one with a different background, one where there was a zealot, you know, he was totally into politics and Israeli politics and get rid of the Romans, but he became a follower of Jesus of Nazareth and let alone the, the fishermen and James and John, the sons of thunder. So it's, it's beautiful that Jesus says, I am going to rise from the dead and I'm gonna meet you in Galilee. In a way, what I hear and what I see in that is that uh, Jesus is gonna bring them back to where it all began, where it all started, where the ministry literally uh, began to explode by miracles and along the seashore and the Sermon on the Mount and the multiplying of the fish and the bread and the healings and the miracles and the demons being cast out. And before you know it, thousands of people uh, coming before him 
It's just absolutely beautiful. So they are returning to their first love. Returning to their first love. Could God be calling us back to our first love? The death of the Messiah is both unavoidable and essential. But the victory will come as he conquers death through resurrection. Ultimate victory will come as he conquers this world, as he conquers sin, as he conquers ultimately the Antichrist, and he brings his kingdom from heaven to the earth. All right, let's look at the last few verses here, uh, verses 33 through 35. Because here it says, but... After I've raised you, I will go before you into Galilee. And Peter answered and said to him, even if all were made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you, Peter, will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all of the disciples. This dialogue between Peter and Jesus at this moment, I think that Peter was totally unaware of the spiritual battle that he was now facing. And let me just say this at the very beginning. Usually we think about Peter and he's the one we immediately think, Peter is the one who failed the Lord. The truth of the matter is they all failed. All of them ran away. All of them, you know, basically denied the Lord. But Peter was the one who vocalized, and Peter is boasting, Lord, I can't, it's inconceivable to all of them that any of us would not love you, not follow you. Oh, I'm, I'm ready to die for you. Peter is boasting in his flesh. And he says, even if all of these don't, he goes, I will be loyal to you, I will be faithful to you, I will even die for you. And in a sense, Peter believes that his love is greater than all the other disciples. There's a, you know, obvious self-righteousness that is in Peter right now. And Jesus has to respond to him very quickly and says, Peter, hang on a second before you boast in your flesh. And that's what it was. It was a boast in the confidence of his own flesh. Jesus tells him, you will actually deny me, all of you will deny me, but you will deny me three times. And, and so when, you know, as Jesus begins to tell him, you'll deny me, uh, Peter immediately begins to argue with the Lord. He says, no, Lord, I will not. I'll even die for you. But here, wait a second. Let's, you know, go back and see this again. There's Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, telling Peter something. And Peter is saying, no, Lord, not so, Lord, arguing with Jesus. You know, have you ever argued with the Lord about what's happening in your life or what's going on in your life? <laughs> I know that I have. You don't even, and you don't even realize you're doing it. I mean, obviously, when you're in a Bible study and you're reading the scriptures or hearing a sermon, you're like, oh man, that's kind of nutty. That's weird. What, what in the world are you talking about? But you don't realize it when you're in it. And when you are, no, Lord, no, that's not right. No, I wouldn't do that. Or you're, you're arguing in your own mind and in your own head. The moment we are arguing with the Lord, guess who is always wrong? <laughs> we are. We're the ones that are always wrong. I have found myself arguing with the Lord about different scenes, different situations, and I have been wrong every single time, obviously. Now, I don't question that Peter was sincere, 
uh, he believed that this is who I am. This is what my heart says. This is what I believe with everything inside of me. So he was being, you know, about his emotions and about what he thought, and he, he, this confidence was inside of him so strong. But he didn't realize he was in a tremendous spiritual battle. In fact, the enemy had literally come and said, I want Peter. I want to sift Peter out. I want, look, I know him. And, and the enemy was really desiring and focusing on and wanting to take Peter out. And, you know, Jesus knew it. Jesus knew Peter. He knew the devil was trying to sift him. But Jesus said, I've prayed for you. And so, you know, that, boy, that comforts me. Jesus knows me. He knows that, that I blow it. He knows that I have self-confidence. He knows my pride. He knows uh, me inside and out, and he knows you as well. And therefore, he has prayed. He said, I prayed for Peter. I pray for you. He prayed for the other disciples. And therefore, we can come through that time of temptation. But you don't realize you're in the middle of a spiritual warfare sometimes until it's too late. The Bible says that God knows our frame that we are dust. So it's good to be reminded in challenging times. And I don't know what everything is like at your house or your home, but I know that when there's like fiery trials like this right now, uh, things can be brought to the surface uh, because we're, you know, we're frustrated, we're angry, we're confused, we're afraid. We don't want to necessarily admit all of that. And then your fuse is a little shorter than normal and... Uh, before you know it, you're thinking, wow, they're telling me I have to go home and just hang out in my home. That's not too hard. But then all of a sudden you get into a fight with your wife. You get into an argument with your kids. Uh, you lose your temper or whatever, and it's, it's not a healthy situation. But the Lord knows our frame. He knows we are dust. And he loves us. So therefore, in these trials, you know, we're, we've all kind of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego been thrown into a furnace, a fiery trial. Uh, and God uses the fires to burn the wood and the hay and the stubble. And one of the things that God reminds us of in these times is our weakness. Hey, it's okay to admit, I am weak. Uh, Lord, I'm not as strong as I thought he was. I'm not as spiritual as I wanted it to be. And to be honest with the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. I confess it. I ask your forgiveness. I admit that I'm not as spiritual. I'm not as strong as I thought I was or would like to be. And it's okay. In a moment, immediately, the Lord says, ah, He's so pleased that as a son or a daughter, you get it. You realize, okay, I was overconfident. I was being hyper-spiritual, super-spiritual, and here's where I really am. And he loves us so much. Okay, good. Now, listen, let me fill you in. Uh, let me draw you near to myself, you know, and, and he begins to minister to us. He forgives us immediately, picks us up, dusts us off. It says, okay, now walk, not in your own confidence, but walk in my spirit, walk in my leading and in my guiding uh, with you as you go forward. So I, I love that. And so all of the disciples, this was happening as they left the Last Supper and now they're making their way literally to the Garden of Gethsemane.
So now, what I want to do is take a few moments um, and, you know, get your oil ready because we're going to go, I'm going to have you go and anoint your doors, uh, uh, the front door of your house, and then your, whoever is with you watching online this evening. But I've got a few things that I want to uh, kind of close with. A new year and a, and a new beginning. New year, new beginnings. So Thursday... Uh, was the first day of the first month of Nisan of the biblical calendar. So that's how we know we're getting close to Passover. Passover is in the first month, and it's on the 14th day. It begins on the 14th day of the first month. And that first month uh, in the biblical calendar is called Nisan. So that day one of Nisan literally started this week on Thursday. Okay? Thursday was Nisan one that we now begin counting to Passover. So here's what I want to share with you. What happened on the very first Passover? We go to Exodus chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day, of the first month, you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. You shall put, it, uh, put in it the ark of the testimony and partition off the ark with the veil. All right, so, you know, you're at the end of the book of Exodus and now you have God giving the instruction specifically to Moses on the, so here we're getting ready for Passover, the great deliverance of the people of Israel out of Egypt. So they begin on the first day, they're gonna start counting the days of the first month. Uh, and then you, you've gotta set up the tabernacle and the tent of meeting. And then they're to put the Ark of the Testimony and partition of the, uh, off the Ark with the veil, inside of which is the Holy of Holies. All right, so that's day one of Nisan. That's what God wants them to do. Now, go with me to, uh, Leviticus chapter 9, verses 22 through 24. We read, Then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people. So this is in the book of Leviticus, and by the way, this is describing the very same day as Nisan 1 in Exodus chapter 40, verse 1. You follow me? So they're, it's, they're both scriptures are talking about the same day. So Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, he blessed them, and he came down from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, and peace offerings. But now look in verse 23. So Aaron does that alone. He goes with a sin offering, with a burnt offering, and with peace offerings. Okay, great. But then in verse 23, and Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting, and they came out, and they blessed the people, now look what happens in verse 24. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. And when all the people, the nation saw it, they shouted and they fell on their faces. Now, when you think about this, I want you to, you know, the very first couple of verses there, 
uh, verse 22-23 are saying that when Aaron, the high priest, went by himself and he made the sacrifices and the sin offerings and the peace offerings, nothing supernatural happened. You know, you've got the whole nation of Israel there. They're watching. There's Aaron, the priest, the high priest, and he does the duties of the high priest. But then we read, then Moses and Aaron come together and they go into the tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant is beyond the, as it were, the veil into the presence of God. And then when Moses, listen to this, who is the prophet and Aaron, who is the priest, when they go in and when they came out together from the tabernacle, then something supernatural happened. The glory of the Lord appeared and fire came out from the Lord. Now, this wasn't just seen by Moses and Aaron. This is describing that the nation, several million people saw the supernatural glory of the Lord appear. Fire came out from the Lord and consumed the sacrifice and everyone fell on their faces. All right? Wow, that's what happened on the first day of the first Passover month of Nisan. That's what Moses and Aaron, they came together. When Aaron went by himself, did what the priest is supposed to do and made the sacrifices, nothing spectacular happened visibly. But when Moses and Aaron go together, the prophet and the priest, and they go in before the Lord and they come out and they lift their hands and they begin to bless the people, now the glory of the Lord appears and now the fire of God comes from the presence of the Lord and consumes the sacrifice and all the people witness the supernatural presence of the glory of God and they all fall on their faces. Now, I wanna share with you something happened this last, this last week on Thursday, which is the same day that Moses and Aaron on the first day of Nisan, 3,500 years ago, when they went before the Lord and the supernatural glory came. By the way, uh, I didn't put it in, into the notes here, but if you want to look up and read Psalm 133, and many of you from Maranatha know this psalm, it's about unity. That was the word the Lord gave uh, to us as a church. Every year we have a word from the Lord. Our word for this year is prepare. God is preparing us for something. He's been preparing us for something. And while we're praying and fasting, now all of these things have been happening and the virus and as we make our way to Passover. But last year's word was unity. And our scripture was Psalm 133. And here's what it says. It's only three verses long. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. What this is talking about is that as Aaron, the, the original high priest, that, that's the, the unity of when he went before the Lord on the first day of the first month of Nisan, before the original Passover, and then he went in with Moses and he came out, and there were two of them, the prophet Moses and the priest Aaron. God was so pleased 
by their unity that he says in this psalm, wherever I see unity, I will command a blessing. And he brought this manifestation of the glory of God. Okay, so you have that in your minds. Okay, wow, the first day of Nisan is a big deal. And on the original first day of the first month of the first Nisan, Moses and Aaron went before the Lord, came out, blessed people, lifted up their hands, and the supernatural glory of God came. Well, guess what? Thursday of this week was that same day, Nisan 1. On that day, Thursday of Nisan 1, in fact, I'm going to put it here uh, so that you can look at it and, and be able to realize the impact of this. On Nisan 1, which was Thursday of this week, the two Benjamins, because there are two parties in Israel, so I'm going to connect the scriptures now to what just happened in Israel. They have a prime minister named Benjamin Netanyahu, and then they have an opposing uh, party whose name is Benny Gantz. So they're both, their first names are Benjamin, came together and... Um, so, listen, and to form a unity government. That part I didn't get on that screen. But they both came together to form a unity government. If you follow Israeli politics at all, you know that um, they, they've had three elections and they weren't able to, you know, have somebody win. They were divided between the two of them. And I've shared with uh, our congregation before, but for those who are watching and listening now, there is a uh, well-known rabbi, famous rabbi. His name is Rabbi Kaduri. Rabbi Kaduri was a very, you know, ultra, if, in a way, orthodox rabbi, a uh, very mystical guy. And anyway, he had many followers. Even he, when he passed away, uh, he had over 200,000 people that attended his funeral. And he told his followers that one day or night, uh, the Messiah came into his room or his house and revealed himself to him and that he knew who he was and that he even knew what his name was. So Rabbi Kaduri said, I've written his name down on a piece of paper. And then he said, I'm not gonna tell everybody. I'm gonna put it into a little place with a lock and key which I will give to my sons, and you can't open it, and you cannot read it until after I pass away. So then, Rabbi Kaduri passes away. Over 200,000 Orthodox rabbis come to his funeral, and everybody grieves and mourns, and then they're like, okay, now the sons of Kaduri go to the little box, open it up, and what is the name of the Messiah? And the name was basically Yehoshua or Yeshua, which is Hebrew for Jesus. You can only imagine that created an uproar in all of Israel. It's like, what? Uh, was he senile? What was he trying to say? What does this mean? It must be somebody else. But there were some who said, we know who he means. And there were even some of those who became believers that Yeshua, they know Yeshua. Yeshua is the name in Hebrew for Jesus. Well, this Rabbi Kaduri had also little other little writings and he uh, different, he would write little notes and thoughts and he wrote this one thing where he said, I have seen that in the very near future in Israel uh, that there will be a division of the governments and, and the parties will not be able to come together and they will, they will not be able to form a government and it will be divided and divided and divided and, and uh, he said, this will be a sign to you, you'll know uh, that this is what I'm talking about or what I'm seeing 
because the leader of each side's name, first name, will be Benjamin. Benjamin Netanyahu and Benny Gantz. Benjamin, Benjamin. And here they are, one time, two times, three times, and they can never quite form a government. So uh, what's interesting is that what just happened on Thursday, Nisan 1, the day that uh, Moses and Aaron went together into the tabernacle of the Lord and then came out and the manifest presence of the glory of God came, consumed the sacrifice, and the people shouted and they all fell on their faces. On Nisan 1 in Israel, the two Benjamins came and formed a unity government. They literally came up, they said, we'll share it. And I guess Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, it looks like this is what is happening and has just taken place. He will be the first one to be prime minister for a period of time or 18 months or however they work it out. And then it will turn over to Benny Gantz. But they had been so fighting and so opposed, we will never work together. And now those two have come together. Uh, and so... This is amazing. I mean, all of Israel is still, they're still talking about the virus. They're fighting the virus, but this has literally just happened in the midst of all of this. And so I think that there's some exciting things that God is doing. Is, is God ready now? Uh, is that a breakthrough? Yes. In the natural. The Bible says first the natural and then the spiritual. And by the way, I, I just want to say this, that here, the, God is using uh, this you know, plague that is happening around the world to get people into their homes and to listen to his voice and to get prepared for Passover and literally to have the blood of the lamb on every doorpost of your house and of every uh, heart within their home. But the enemy is wanting to use it as well. The enemy wants to divide. The enemy wants to bring despair. The enemy wants to bring division. The enemy wants to bring isolation. Uh, he wants to bring a spirit of fear, of anxiety, of bitterness, of accusation, of self-pity, and of self-righteousness. And that's what the devil wants. So the devil wants disunity. But the spirit of the Lord says, wherever I see unity, I will command a blessing. Here, Judas had just separated himself from all the disciples. He went out all by himself, and the enemy got him. And now among Peter and the others, they also would fail, but the Lord had prayed for them, and they came through that moment, and they humbled themselves, and they were healed, and they were forgiven, but they needed to repent uh, to get ready for that beautiful, glorious, shocking, exciting, supernatural revelation of the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. So in getting ready for this coming Passover, Good Friday, where we remember the cross, and then on the third day, celebrate the resurrection. You know, in the original Passover, you're supposed to go through your house and get rid of all the leaven. God said, I don't want any leaven in the house. I don't even want a little bit of leaven. Get all the leaven out of your homes in preparation for this Passover. Leaven is that which you put into bread that puffs the bread up. So leaven in the Bible is a type of sin. So this is a time for us as the body of Messiah, the body of Jesus Christ, 
to look in our hearts and look in our homes and look in with our marriages and with our children and everything going on and repent of sin. Uh, God is speaking, his voice is thundering, he's got our attention, things are happening around the world, it's literally his voice is shaking all of the governments of the world, we're shaking. We need the Lord, we need to return to him, we need to call upon the name of the Lord. So right now, I want you to, um, let's just take this. this, this is very powerful, very prophetic, we're at a very uh, historic hour in the world. I want you to go get that oil, that we talked about, and I want you to take the oil, and I want you to do two things. First of all, I'd like uh, somebody to go to the front door of your house, and when you get to the front door of your house, I want you to put oil on the two sides, that's the doorposts, right? I want you to put oil there. So the blood of the lamb is trusting in Jesus Christ. He's already been sacrificed. His blood has already been shed. And we had communion last week for all that know and believe and trust in him. We've got to have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your heart. But let's also honor the Lord at our houses and the front door of your house. Put oil on this side, just a little dab with your finger. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then go to the other posts. Put a little bit of oil and say, Lord, we dedicate this house and home. Everybody who comes in, everybody who goes out, Lord, may the spirit of the Lord come upon them. And if they know you, let them rejoice and let them be filled with love and joy and peace in our home. And for those who don't know you, we pray that you would reach out to them and love them and minister to them and the aroma of Christ would overtake them. So not only on the two doorposts, but then on the, uh, they call it the lintel or the, the beam above. So kind of like Christ, his head and his hands. Uh, and so anoint that in those three places. All right? So I've talked about it for a minute, giving you a moment to do that. When you are finished with that, I want you to come back. And what I'd like you to do is if there's more than one person in your home, uh, whoever has the spiritual leadership within the home, I, I want you to take that oil and I want you to anoint all of those that are in your house. Anoint them right here. We're practicing the priesthood of all believers, okay? So I would love to do it, but you're not here and we can't be together, but let's not miss this Passover and let's not miss this opportunity. And I believe that God was revealing to me in my dream that we, I mean, God is moving all over the earth. He was sending out his angel and it was very important that by Passover, and I believe that by this Good Friday, we need to have the protection of the Lord, literally, upon our doorposts and upon our, the lintel beam of our homes and then anoint your, you know, yourself. You anoint all of those. You put a little oil on their forehead and say, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, I anoint you with this oil for divine protection and with the seal of God's grace and glory. And once you have anointed your homes at the front doors, and the doorpost, the lintel beam, once you've anointed uh, those who are in your home, and then you last of all to anoint yourself, then I want you to pray. And I ask the worship team to come out and get ready to do the last song. Um, but I, wanna, I want us to pray together that uh, this will be a supernatural uh, covering. I mean, literally, how exciting. We get to live a, a Passover. We, we are experiencing 
the fear of God that is upon the earth. God is shaking. He said, I will shake everything that can be shaken so that only the things that cannot be shaken will remain. The only solid ground to stand upon in this Passover season 2020 is the solid rock of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That's a place that won't shake. That is a rock that is solid. That is a place upon which you can stand and build your life and build your marriage and build your family and build your future and build an eternal life. And then let's pray and you join with me and be in agreement with me wherever you are and all over this uh, country or for that matter, I guess the internet, wherever you are in, in other countries even that would join us right now. But Father, in the name of Jesus, we anoint these doors, doorways. Everybody's shuttered in, just as Isaiah 26 verse 20 says. You said, get into your houses, get into your chambers, shut your doors, and wait until the fury or the indignation has passed. Lord, we're gonna trust in you. We are dedicating our homes to the Lord Jesus. We're dedicating our hearts and our marriages and our sons and our daughters. And Lord, the church, the body of Christ, we wanna be walking in the spirit, anointed by your spirit. We wanna come and experience divine anointing, a new anointing, a fresh anointing. Lord, open the eyes of our heart, open the eyes of our spirit, open the eyes of our understanding that we're not living in normal times. We are living in biblical times, prophetic times, that this is no time to be messing around or compromised or worshiping idols. That's what the Passover was all about. You knocked down the false gods that Egypt uh, worshiped. They, they worshiped frogs and then you multiplied the frogs and they couldn't stand them. They worshiped a lot of things uh, that were not gods. They were part of your creation, but you literally knocked their idols down. You're knocking idols down all across the world, Lord. Uh, those who have idolized the, the stars, you know, the, uh, the sports, uh, that we, none of those things. Not that there's anything wrong with the arts or sports, but sometimes we've made idols of them. Uh, or we have allowed, the, you know, that our heart is involved in, in worshiping other gods and, and involved in entertainment or money or pleasure or immorality or whatever it is. They're false gods. And we repent of those. We ask forgiveness and cleanse us, wash us in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, we give our hearts to you. Uh, we want to follow only you. We want to hear your voice. We want to walk with you. We want to be anointed freshly by you. We pray for a divine protection. Lord, a divine anointing, a divine immunity that would come upon us spirit, soul, and body. Lord, to be protected and that we would come through safe and come to the other side. A mighty, mighty deliverance where we are a new people, a new nation, a new church a new on-fire group of believers who are unashamed and unapologetic of our love and faith and loyalty to the good news of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. 
So Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are, you are anointing us now. You, you are hearing our prayer right now. You are answering this, Lord. You, there is the outpouring of your spirit. I, I, I sense that move of your spirit in the midst of us, that beautiful, precious uh, river of living water that is flowing up and out of our bellies, as Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter seven, out of your innermost being. Oh Lord, wash us, cleanse us, fill us, overflow us with the spirit of the Lord and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and long suffering. And Lord, all of the fruits of your spirit. Forgive us of our self-righteousness, self-pity, bitterness, uh, pride, uh, separating ourselves, Lord, from the body of Christ or from you. We need unity. So may we, Lord, bless unity, put oil upon unity. May the body of Christ come together and we look forward soon when we can gather again together. Wherever two or three gather together in my name, there I will be in your midst and the joy of the Lord would be our strength. Thank you, Lord. We, we, thank you, Father. I, I just sense uh, that you've heard our prayer and that there's a beautiful, divine, supernatural flow from heaven and from your presence and from your spirit and from your glory that you're answering our prayers. You're bringing that peace and that protection and that provision and surrounding us with your angels and Lord, that we can walk free, totally delivered and free in Christ Jesus. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.